Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. All right, let's jump in it this morning. Y'all can turn off that reverb, please. God knows I'm not singing. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I am excited about what God is doing. I'm excited for the freedom that we're seeing in this church. I know. Amen. I'm I'm even excited for the people that are afraid of the winter storm right now. I'm excited for them. And uh, we missed them this morning. We do have some folks out today, but I'm so glad that you guys made it. Thank you guys for joining us online and maybe those that will listen later in the week on Spotify. It's good to see some healthy people. Come on, give me a smile. Let me look at you. Let's check on some of those dental implants, see how they're doing. All right. Looks good. Looks good. Uh, I want to talk to you guys this morning um, uh, about a couple of things, but... How many of you know that when you go on vacation, there's some tourist attractions that sometimes you you don't want to miss, but sometimes you get there and you're like, oh, we could have missed this. Ever feel that way? I felt that way about going to Disney World years ago. The entire trip, I was like, I could have missed this, especially in July. It was hell on earth. The lines and the sweat, it was too much. But this morning I want to talk to you guys about something important. I want to start here in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 18 to 24 in the Amplified. And it says this, Children, in the last hour, the end of this age, and just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempt to replace him, Even now, many antichrists, false teachers have appeared, which confirms our belief um, it is in the last hour. They went out from us seeming at first to be Christians, but they were not really of us because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed. For if they had been us, they would have remained with us, but they went out teaching a false doctrine so that it would clearly shown that none of them are of us but you now catch this very this is a very important scripture here but you have an anointing from the holy one you have been set apart specially gifted and prepared by the holy spirit and all of you know the truth because he teaches us illuminates our minds and and guards us from error I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie, nothing false, no deception is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed? This is the Antichrist, the enemy and the antagonist of Christ, the one who denies and consistently refuses to acknowledge the Father and the Son. Whoever denies and uh, repudiates the Son 
does not have the Father. The one who confesses and acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that remain in you, keeping in your hearts the message of salvation which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you too will remain in the Son and in the Father forever. Amen. Yeah, y'all can give him a hand for that because that's, that's something to clap about. I want to remind you guys of a story that probably 99.9% of you know very well. And I want to, I'm going to quickly go through uh, three chapters uh, in the book of Judges, chapters 13, uh, 14, and 16. Um, and I'm going to quickly go through it. We're probably not even going to put those scriptures on the board. Um, but I want to quickly go through it and remind you of some of the things that Samson um, did. You know, Samson and, and the apostle Peter um, had a, a lot of success and a lot of failure in their lives. You can comparison and contrast the life of Samson with Peter. And you would see a lot of the same details, a lot of the same story, a lot of the same attributes, a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses. So here's a very quick um, recap of some of the things that maybe some of you have forgotten that God did in Samson. He slayed the lion in chapter 14. Um, and it also says there in verses 5 and 6 that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He slayed 30 Philistines in 1419, and we read a second time that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Um, he sent uh, the 300 foxes among the corn in 15-4 to destroy the crops with fire. It was harvest time, and the fields were dry. Um, in 15-7 through 8, there was a slaughter near Etam. Um, after this, he rested. The Philistines invaded his homeland, and 3,000 of Samson's own people captured him in chapter 15, verses 11 through 12. Um, and we see in 15, 13 to 14, that he bursted the two new cords of the men of Judah, and he had been bound by his people. But the, also says, but the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He also slayed, and you guys know this best of all, that he slayed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey in 1515. Um, God continued to use Samson in spite of his many failures. Um, he also, at, at Leah, he quenched his thirst in 15, 18 through 19. That was a miracle of the Lord because there was no water to be found. In chapter 16, verses 2 through 3, um, Gaza was one of the largest and most fortified cities in Philistia. The heavy iron gates, which is also the only way in and out of the city, they, they triple fortified. Um, they did a lot of things to it. And he actually tore the gates down, tore the doors down, and then he carried the gates and the doors and all the bars 30 miles away and set them on a mountaintop just to prove the power of God. Amazing what God did with Samson. He also broke the seven bowstrings in chapter 16, verse 7. These cords were made of twisted and strong, uh, strong green twigs. And uh, that may not sound like a big feat, but if you study what these cords, how they produced them, that was like you guys trying to tear three phone books in half at the same time. 
I bet you can't do one or half a one. That's only the power team could do that, by the way. <laughs> Bursting the new ropes in 1611, um, he had these new ropes without any wear and tear or frays of any kind, and he busted straight through them. In 1613, he, he tore away the loom and the web, which obviously Delilah had started to use as a deception to bind him. So you guys know the, 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 the biggest part of this story is, is Samson started a uh, relationship with a woman. And Samson began to slowly, maybe not that slow, but slowly um, and then quickly decided to give up the anointing that God had on his life for a piece of flesh, right? You guys know this. The anointing of God on his life was now being squandered because he wanted Delilah like nothing he had ever wanted in his life, and he took the bait from Satan, and he fell right into this situation, and they began a torrid affair, okay? Samson became a tourist attraction after this. Delilah got him to admit his weakness, which was his hair. Can we all agree today that this story is not about hair? <laughs> that this story is about getting trapped in habitual sin and refusing to repent refusing to come back to God, refusing to put himself in a place of God. I, I've seen you do so much. I've seen you destroy things that are against you. And now I literally, Samson, just flat out refused to acknowledge the Lord. So you see reading in these chapters and in 16 that Delilah had one of her servants come in while Samson is sleeping and this servant shaved his head and got rid of his hair and the Bible tells us that, that Samson went out of the tent the next morning um, to shake himself awake and to be ready to, to do the next task. The Bible says that he did not even realize, now listen to this, that the anointing of God had what? Left him left him now i won't drill this down too much today about the the anointing of god leaving people but i believe for most of us in trying times we do something with god that we should not do and i'll give you a very quick example of this when when floodwaters start coming and you you know you guys don't get flooding here like what I grew up in with South Texas. We were below sea level, and if it rained, we flooded, right? Houston has the worst drainage of any city uh, in the United States, and we would just flood. I mean, and especially with a hurricane, we would flood. I mean, our house flood, our first church flood during Harvey, we had people living in, in the church that Candace and I were pastoring. We went through all that with Harvey. And, and uh, you notice something during these floods that people just dramatically and as fast as they can, they try to get sandbags. 
and they try to use sand. It is just, it's almost comical, right? The, the floodwaters are coming up so quickly, but these, they get these sandbags. And some people, believe it or not, are successful. And they are able to put three to you know, five rows deep of, of sandbags around their home, at least their main property. And, and what I want you guys to see this morning is when you get yourself caught up in sin and you begin to stay in the mode of I'm going to keep doing this because it feels so good and because I want this so bad like sand what essentially you are doing is you are putting sandbags between you and God so the water is the Holy Spirit and the anointing and the sandbags are sin And when you continue to sin, you are putting sandbags in front of the anointing and the gifting and the calling of God in your life. I want you guys, I'm going to start preaching here in a second, but I want to just say something about uh, the anointing because I think a lot of people misrepresent what the anointing is and, and what it does. And actually, it's very, very simple in the Word of God. There's really two types. There's only two types of anointings that we find in the Word of God. First is a material or an oil-based anointing where the king or the priest would anoint somebody with oil and they, it wouldn't just be a dab of oil. They would, they would pour over two gallons of oil over, just like King David when he was anointed. They poured over two gallons of oil. He was completely saturated with oil and he was anointed by the priest and the king but the anointing that we're talking about this morning before my voice gives out is the anointing of God from the Holy Spirit listen to this in Luke 4 chapter uh, 18 and 19 in the Amplified we see this amazing thing that Jesus said he says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me the Messiah Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release or pardon and forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. You know, I love how the Amplify says it like that because it covers every single person past, present, and future that the anointing of Jesus has the power to break bondage. Amen? If you are God's, then he has anointed you. The purpose of the anointing is to break the yokes while you do what you are called to do, according to Luke 4, 18. Isn't that the good news, though? Isn't that the good news that that God gave us the Holy Spirit to be overcomers, to be able to work in the nine gifts, to be able to discern things that normally a normal human being would not be able to discern, to be able to call out a lie when you hear it, to be able to call out manipulation when you hear it, to be able to call out witchcraft when you hear it, to be able to call out an ego-driven reaction when you see it occur, to be able to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, man, I really want to yell right now, but I can't. I really do. Because I'm so excited that God loves you and me so much 
that he gave us a gift to use every single second of the day. Amen. I believe that Nolan is alive right now because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I believe that many of you are alive right now because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost when you should have been dead years ago. I'm alive right now because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I laid dead and gray and not breathing on the floor for a full minute in 2014, and my wife prayed over me and said, get up off that floor in Jesus' name. You're going to live, and I got up. Amen. Thank you for you eight that are excited that I'm alive. <laughs> When we, when we read in the Bible dictionary, most of them say the same thing about the anointing in the Holy Scriptures. It's either material or it's spiritual. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, Spiritual anointing with the Holy Ghost is conferred also upon the Christians by God. I'm summarizing. But we know that God has given us this amazing gift, and it's an absolute travesty. Let me say it this way. I think one of the most demoralizing and difficult things that we can see right now is a man or a woman that once had a proficient, moving, and flowing anointing in their life and they have squandered it. Because the adultery was more important than the God. The drug was more important than God. The por pornography was more important than God. I mean, we can go down a very long list of issues that you and I struggle with, but none of them are worth going to hell over. You know, some of you have forgotten that you need to forgive your enemies. Some of you have forgotten that you need to forgive the people that have hurt you. You hold on to it. You act as if you have a right to hold on to it. You act as if you have some type of a, a good reasoning, some theological reasoning to be able to hold on to that bitterness. Some of you have conflict with other people in this church and you walk right past them and you ignore them. You think God is pleased with that? The Bible says that you better get yourself in front of them and repent and go to them before you decide to come down here and try to make this an altar. The true altar is going to that person and saying, you know what? I don't know how this started, and it doesn't matter, but I want to own up to my part. Will you please forgive me? If we're not doing that as a church, we are simply a sideshow act and a tourist attraction to East Liverpool. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and some of you get offended by the God is not impressed by our outreaches. God is certainly not impressed by my preaching. 
God is not impressed by our worship. God is impressed with humility to where he says, just be broken. Be broken today. Be broken and spilled out. The disciples had an issue with a woman pouring expensive perfume on the feet of their Savior. And they were... Jesus said, shut up. This woman knows how to worship me. This woman is doing the will of God. It's the blue-collar things in life that God wants to see out of us. God is not interested in what we look like or how we think we look like to this community. God is interested in what our heart looks like. God is interested in where our spirit is. God is interested in how we are loving our neighbor. Some of you hate your neighbors so bad you'd never even walk in their yard to invite them to church and they're on their way to hell because you refuse to do anything about it. Now you can use the cop-out phrase, oh, well, pastor, that's not what I'm called to do. That's for somebody else. Really? Well, the somebody else that you're thinking about isn't their neighbor. Oh, well, maybe it is. Maybe it's the other neighbor, right? God is saying, you're the one to take the gospel to them. I've seen people get in fights over the stupidest things. I gotta tell y'all a story because it just hit me and I have, I've never told it and I'm so excited. This is a, Candace gonna remember this because she was peeved. She was a woman on fire to kill our neighbor. This is before she got saved. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. She's been saved a couple of years. Anyways, so we're in South Texas. We are six months into pastoring our first church. This would have been 10 years ago. And we get blessed with this opportunity to own this house, free and clear. A family blessed us just tremendously, tremendously. So we get there, and it just so happens our neighbor is the pastor and the entire family. There's like two or three houses on this one lot, and it's the pastor and their entire family at the church next to us, which was a united Pentecostal church. So it all started when I started mowing the yard on my beautiful cub cadet, I love that mower. Loved it. It's a good one. The yellow looks good. And it all started when I was wearing shorts on my mower. Once I found out that they didn't like me wearing shorts, my shorts got shorter. Oh, it was on. 
I was 1970s court riddle out there on that mower. <laughs> Y'all haven't seen my legs. You don't know. They're powerful. <laughs> Too far. And so I got some looks. Got some comments. Got some more looks. I just smiled. Put my earbuds on and started singing praise and worship music while I'm mowing. Right? Until one day, one of my board members who owned a tree service said, Pastor, I want to take some of the dead trees down on your property. I'm going to do it for I said, free? Oh, yeah, Pastor. Yeah. You'll owe me later, but right now it's free. So we came and he took... Now, granted, I want y'all to know, the first tree he took down, all these trees were on our property, on the other side of the road from these neighbors that I hope have gotten saved since. <laughs> so Chuck is cutting the tree down. And here comes a truck with a bunch of Pentecostals in it. Now, I'm not making fun, but I want, here's one thing I believe the Lord gave us is makeup. Some women need to wear makeup. Y'all just stay with me. I just, I'm in a mood today. I may have taken a hydrocodone before it came up. So they come over here, and I'm in the house, and I hear this yelling. I walk out there. The pastor of the church is yelling and cussing out, cussing out. I don't mean dang and darn and crap like I talk. I mean, mm, 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 mm. I'm just saying that this, this pastor had his love language going, okay? So he's, how dare you cut down that tree? I planted that tree when I was four. I get out there right during this combat. I said, Pastor so-and-so, by the way, I'm, my name's Court. <laughs> I know they knew who I was anyways, but nice to meet you we never really met I know you've seen my legs but you have never heard me talk <laughs> y'all think I'm kidding ask can days and so I said pastor uh, as you can see this tree is on my property so he's he's not cussing anymore because I came out there right but now the cops show up and these cops go to his church. I can't make this up. This is good ministry right here. So the cops show up, and they are questioning me. Candace, were you outside at this point? Had you brought the gun out at this point? No, no, no. She didn't. She was scoping it out through the window. She was, she was ready. Had that AR-15 ready to take them all. And so the cops get there. They don't even look at me. They go to their path. Hey, pastor, what's the problem here? Well, this guy over here is cutting down a tree that I planted when I was four years old. That used to be my property. 
And I said, sir, thank you for proving my point. It's no longer your property. This house is titled in my name. And before this house is titled in my name, for the last 30 years, it had been titled in somebody else's name. This property hadn't been yours in a very long time, probably since you were four. So the cop said, are you sure? Are you sure this is your property? I said, officer, there's my driveway. There's the tree. This was not a small tree. It was a very large tree, and the tree was dead. It was a hazard. It could have fallen on his grandkids. It could have fallen on somebody in my family. It was a hazard. That's why we were taking it down. If it was a nice tree, I wouldn't have taken it down in the first place. So the officers kind of speak to me, and I said, officer, there's no reason for y'all to even be here. I'm cutting this tree down, and we're going to cut it down. So I said, Chuck, keep cutting the tree down. Cranks up his chainsaw, starts cutting the tree down. I stand there. Candace is in the house, probably pacing, wonder if I'm going to have a heart attack or something. I don't know. And that was it. That, that's how the enemy started. And these people treated us bad for the whole time that we lived there. And I would say hi to them. I would wave to them with shorts on. Not, not it. I'm not recanting that, all right? But we, we, we saw them. We'd be walking, walking our dogs, and, and we would say hi to them. They wouldn't wave back to us. What's the point of me telling you this story? The enemy wants you to get so irate about stupid things because he knows if he can catch you in the trap of unforgiveness, the anointing of God will begin to stop flowing through. You will sandbag what God wants to do. Now, I joke about it. Everything that I said was accurate about that story, unfortunately. But some things in life you got to just laugh about. Something, because if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. And you're going to be upset. And you're going to start getting angry about something that occurred in your past. And right when you do that, you start building those blocks of discord in your life again. Matthew Henry commentary says this, that repentance in God is not as it is in us, a change of his mind, but a change of his method or dispensation. He does not alter his will, but wills an alteration. Did you catch that? He does not alter, God does not alter his will, but he will will an alteration in you to get you back in his will. And that's exactly what Samson, what happened to Samson. A person who carries an anointing is required to walk in the will of God. The anointing goes with a huge spiritual responsibility to follow the instructions of God. The power of God in an earthen vessel is a serious matter. 
Did you know that if you're a born a Christian, a born again Christian right now in this room, you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. But it is up to you on how much you obey and yield to the person of Christ Jesus in your life. What does that mean? You can't be saved, keep being a jerk to everybody in your life, and expect to have breakthroughs at every turn. That's not what a good father does. A good father says, you've gotten a couple tickets now, you've had some wrecks, I'm going to take the car away for a while. A bad father says, keep the car, money is no issue, if you wreck it again, I'll just buy you a new one. And adults treat God the same way. They think that God is just that genie in a, in, in a bottle sitting on their mantle in their living room. And they want God to respond the way they want God to respond. But I'm going to tell you, if you want God to respond with his glory, you better start living in his glory. Not your own. How many times has you living in your own selfishness and self-centeredness ever truly benefited you or your business or your bank account or your friendships or your family or your schooling? The list goes on and on. The answer is never. There may be a blip in time where you're like, wow, man, I cheated on that situation. I never got caught. And wow, man, did I reap a good reward out of that. Guess what? That simply means you haven't seen God deal with it yet. Repentance clears the agenda of God's judgment. Real repentance before the Father. There's some churches in this very area that refuse to repent before God and be transparent. And I'm going to tell you because of that, and this is not out of judgment, this is out of what the word of God says. They have, not, they have placed themselves under a curse. You can only fake the anointing for so long. A man or a woman that is chasing after God doesn't have to fake anything. Their failures, their mistakes, their successes, their triumphs, their victories for the person chasing after God's will, it's all up front and open. For the person that is not chasing after God, it's all about keeping secrets. The Lord told us very clearly, you got to die to yourself daily. <laughs> we look at Samson. Let me preach a little while longer this morning. We're early anyways. We look at Samson. Samson was called and anointed by God to be a judge and a deliverer for Israel before he was even born. You can find that in Judges chapter 13, 2 to 5. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mother announcing Samson's birth. And guess what? And gave the purpose of his life. And here's what it says here in 13.5. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son. And here's the instruction. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. The word Nazarite means one separated or one set apart from others for service to God. All of us should have the aching desperation to carry the anointing of the Nazarite. Once again, it's not about hair. Some of you are happy about that right now. Ken, Sam, there's more I don't know me soon I'm sure I don't know but we look at this we we, we jump over to chapter 16 verses 29 to 30 and we see that as Samson is become a tourist attraction they're parading him in the city This is the Samson that used to cause us so harm. This is the Samson that has killed thousands of us. Now his eyes have been gouged out, which also is a prophetic word in the book of Deuteronomy. His eyes have been gouged out. He is is moaning, he is weeping, but his hair is growing. And the growth of his hair is symbolic of the growth and the recreation of the anointing in his life. So as he is going around on that carousel and everybody's coming out to see the newest circus act, which is Samson, the great Samson and captivity that now can't even break a rope hooked onto a metal beam, They stand around mocking him, which is also symbolic of what and and prophetic of what they did to Christ. They mocked him. So y'all know the story. Once again, it's not about the hair. It's about the anointing. But as his hair grows and the symbolism as grows, he is now what? He's living a life of repentance before God. He's still blind. He's still dealing with the consequences of his sin and his captivity all over a piece of flesh. Notice God does not open up his eyes again physically, but he does open up his spiritual eyes. And what happens? It says in Deuteronomy 16, he pleads to God and he says, God, please place my arms my hands in the correct direction of these main pillars in this city and let there be a a revenge. And what did God do? Now his strength is restored. Why? Well, our strength is restored when we finally become weak before the Lord. All you parents trying to control your kids it's not working 
disciple your kids. When you disciple and you mentor and you teach, and listen, I'm saying this out of failure, not success. I'm not telling you, oh, well, hey, we, man, Candace, she did it way better. But, man, I, I'm sure I have failed a million times in how I have tried to teach my kids or so many other ways that I could have done it biblically. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. You guys know as you age, you realize, man, the people older than me actually were smarter than I was. Right? I've always said, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're actually the dumbest one in the room. Because your ego is now leading your leadership. And you can't be a leader with an egotistical mindset. So we know that the Philistines were destroyed still. After years of Samson being in captivity, they were destroyed. The promise of God was fulfilled in, in any other religion, in any other circle, in anyone that you look at, there's no anointing present. It is only in Christianity and following after Christ that we have the anointing of the Holy Ghost to guide us. For those of you in this room that are still putting off the baptism and the Holy Spirit, you are putting off nine gifts that you can be flowing in daily for the good of you, for the good of your community, for the good of your family, for the good of your church. You know, we are praying and seeking that the five-fold ministry would manifest in this church. And you know what? We're not praying for God to bring us people to do that. We already have the people and the gifts in this church to live that life. Do you understand that? We have all of that in this body already. We just have to get the sandbags out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to flow in. It works. I rem- the scripture I was reminded this morning, very early in Acts chapter 2, verse 30. At worship team, you can come, and we're going to begin communion here in just a few minutes. But Peter replied here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Don't you guys understand that, that under the anointing, Peter was speaking to a people that didn't understand anything past there right now. And I want to speak to you guys real quick. For all of you that are just kind of stuck in the present. Stuck in in the, the mud and the muck of where our society is. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to live in that negativity. You don't have to base your life on what Fox News says. You base your life on what 
the anointing of the Holy Ghost tells you. Did you know that if you wake up every morning and you say, Holy Spirit, guide me and speak through me today, your day will be transformed. Transformed. Man, I, I have a whole other sermon here. Let me quickly preach it to you. Let me quickly. You know, it's funny how we, we get so caught up on trying to get things that God has already given us. We ask for God things in ignorance that he has already placed in us. You know, we just read a few minutes ago, Jody and Dave talked about the tithe. But, but they, they talked about healing that we have already received. By your 39 stripes, you have already been healed, right? Any version you read, it's past tense. So y'all can keep playing if you don't mind. But, but here, here's the deal. I want y'all to stay with me for a second because some of you are getting her sleepy and that's okay. It's the sleepy adults in this church, praise God. Just don't come dopey and grumpy and rather take sleepy people than complaining people. Praise God. I'll take a sleepy person over a critical spirit any day of the week. Praise God. Go get some coffee, do some jumping jacks, whatever you need to do. Amen. We've got to protect the anointing by knowing whom to run to when we are pressured. And we read in Judges 16, 16 that Delilah, she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul, the Bible says that his soul was vexed to death. And what happened? Samson just kept listening to the idle chatter come out of this demon's mouth. That's what Delilah was. She was, she was a demonic presence disguised with beauty. How many of you know that beauty does not last? <laughs> For but a moment in time. It's hard for me to fathom that anybody would give up the anointing of God for a few months of pleasure. When all the time, all that time, Samson could have continued to be used for the glory of God, seeing people see the demonstration of the greatest king that we could serve. Let me say this to you, and then we're going to move on to um, communion quickly. We've got to protect the anointing by guarding our heart from outside forces. The best way to understand this is sin fascinates, and then it assassinates. Sin for a season looks good. It looks pretty. It looks pleasurable. It looks like it'll last but that's what the enemy wants you to believe, that your sin will not catch up with you. Would anybody in here disagree that continuing to smoke cigarettes 
will possibly cause you to have lung cancer, throat cancer, esophageal cancer, stomach cancer, the list goes on and on. Would it, anybody disagree with that at this point? If you do, don't disagree with me in here because I will pick on you and it'll be hilarious. No, no. Would anybody disagree that if you have a diet of Big Macs, you're going to start looking like a Big Mac with a special sauce? Praise God. I don't know where that came from, but that's disgusting, the visual I just got. Did you know that we would all agree that if you continue to do things that go against God, that go against your body, that go against the principles of God, there is a price to pay for those choices. If you want to be an adulterer, you're going to eventually lose your spouse. May not be immediate. They may be very forgiving, but eventually you will have a loss. And guess what? Kids and grandchildren and generations are now affected by your choice to commit sin with another person. Sin fascinates and then it will assassinate you. Samson says in in the word here, He knew not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. I wonder how many Christians in here and how many Christians out there and how many Christians listening don't even realize that the Spirit and the anointing of God has gone dormant in your life because of your habitual, unresolved, unrepented sin. I want us to pray real quick. You guys can be seated for a second. First John 2, 27 says this, but as for you, the anointing, the sacred appointment, the unction, which you receive from him abides in you. Did you know that if you're breathing right now, you can make a turnaround. You can allow... God to remove the sandbags of sin, demoralization, bondage, addiction, however you want to say it, whatever that sandbag represents, you can allow God to remove that and you can start moving in the direction of flowing in the will of God. There's some times that Candace and I, we didn't even realize it, that we And it wasn't even out of sin, but we had stepped out of the will of God because we had a vision, but it wasn't the vision of God. And when you go by the vision that you have and it is not orchestrated by the hands of the Father, you are now out of the will of God. I know that sounds extreme, but it's true. The last place you want to be, uh, you can be poor, you can be hungry, you can be without water, you can have devastation in your life and be in the will of God and have joy. But you can have all those things, prosperity and, and gifts and great clothes and great this and great that and be out of the will of God and be absolutely miserable. I choose the joy of the Lord. I choose Jeremiah 8:10. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God that is incapable of breaking his word. You're incapable of saying something and then doing another. God, I pray that you would forgive us right now for breaking our word, for saying things and doing things that have been out of your will, for living and keeping specific sins in our life, sins that we now know today from your word are are holding back the anointing that you have for our life joy that you have for our life, God. We also know, God, that through repentance and seeking you, God, that we can immediately be in right standing. And I know there's a lot of Christians, God. There's a lot of Christians that think, hey, they got saved, they repented, and it's done. That they don't have to do anything else. That the work is done and they're saved. They get their fire insurance and they never have to. I've, I've heard Christians even in this church say that. That they don't have to continue repenting of their sin. But God, you say clearly in your word multiple times. that We must live a life of repentance. God, I pray that we would keep that truth sacred and we would not squander the great theology that you have given us of having dialogue with you and meaning what we say when we say, Father, forgive me, I have made yet another mistake and immediately you clean me up. Notice I'm not praying and I'm not saying here that when you make a mistake, you just automatically walk out of your salvation. It's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am begging and I am praying for right now is that we can see there are some things in our lives, my life and your life, that need to change that need to be corrected in the method of correction is coming back to the cross and realizing relationship, the blood, the covering, the sprinkling is what we need daily. We've got to die to ourself daily. Father, right now I pray, can we just do this for everyone in here? Can you just take a second before you come up and you receive the sacraments this during this time? And in fact, let me read this scripture to you. Keep your eyes closed and let's just focus on not only repentance, but taking communion after our repentance to God, our confession to God. It says here in 1 Corinthians 11, 25 to 30, in the same way after he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For 
whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner (coughs) will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Apostle Paul goes on to say here out of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. So right now, before we do anything else, take a moment to repent. Sincerely repent to God for the sins that remain in your life. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your passion to save us.